0: My son and daughter-in-law and uh, three of my grandchildren are in Baraboo, Wisconsin today. That is pretty far up the state of Wisconsin, um, pretty far north in, in Wisconsin. Um, they went up there to go camping. Yeah, yeah, they went up there to go camping. Uh, the weather fork. This is uh, what it looked like. This is this is the campground. Um, where they were where they uh, were staying at, uh, if you look real close, you can see the little the little parts where you're supposed to pull up with your car, and uh, they have three of my grandchildren out there for some reason. Uh, the weather forecast called for lows in the twenties, and uh, windy highs possibly in the forties, but also um, cloudy the whole time. Pete sent me a text this morning he said. Seems a lot colder when the sun's not shining. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll bet it did. Um, we, Jenny, and I met him. Uh, we had Caleb with us. Their, their oldest, Caleb had a, a young writers thing at school at uh, Wayne High School yesterday. So Jenny and I took him to that, and then we took off toward um, Chicago. And Peter left Baraboo, Wisconsin, yesterday morning, and took off toward Fort Wayne. Uh, knowing that we were going to meet somewhere along 30 to hand Caleb off so they could go to get back up there. This was not a vacation of choice. Jess's brother, uh, Jared, some of you know Jared. Uh, Jared was getting married this weekend, and in fine um, free spirit fashion, uh, he and his betrothed, now his wife, thought it would be a great idea to be married outside, at this campground near the lake at sunset. Um, I'm sure there's going to be stories, you know, they're going to tell stories about this for years to come. Um, Peter was telling us when we handed off Caleb to him, he said, did you get my text? I said, no, what was it? Oh man, he said, we need more blankets. (laughs) I'll bet you do. Yeah, he said, uh, he said, the girls had all the blankets last night, including the ones for Caleb. He said, and we were cold. He said, uh, Anniston got up during the night and she was not happy. I said, well, you know, uh, I, I, I understand. I have a moving pad in the back of my car you're welcome to take, and, which he did. Uh, they sent me pictures of my granddaughters. Uh, and you know Emery, she's still got a smile on her face. You know, there she is with a smile on her face and her uh, winter coat on and her, and her hat while she's laying in, you know, in the tent um, on there. But I'm, I'm sure there's going to be stories for years at family gatherings about both the uncomfortable moments and the joys of the weekend. Now, in full disclosure, we also got a text from Peter last night. He said, we gave up. We're in a hotel. <laughs> 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 yeah so praise God, his mother taught him some common sense anyway um, <laughs> you know uh, but the the I think overall the joys you know and and the the love that was uh, that this weekend was about really uh, will be the dominating factor, I assume of uh the memories of the weekend that new commitment you know, of love between uh, Jared and his new wife, Aspen. Uh, when you're married after a tree, what else are you going to do But you know, do your wedding in a campground? But that's another story. Uh You know, but also it's the continuing love of a family. Why else would you, why else would you go camping in northern Wisconsin, you know, in in the winter, it's spring on the calendar, but not when you're up there, uh, you know, and they're, they're up there in less than ideal conditions. We've been looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians that he wrote to them while he was in prison. Less than ideal conditions, uh, yet throughout the whole letter, Paul reminds his family, the church. And he reminds them to rejoice. He said it repeatedly, you know, to take real joy right where they are. Even though he is in less than ideal conditions himself, he is able to write them and to tell them to rejoice. He is able to, you know, to try to pull them along with him in his rejoicing, even while he's in adverse conditions. Let's pray. We're going to pick up, uh, you know, where we uh, have uh, kind of paused for a little bit in the beginning of chapter 3 here. Father, thank you for who you are and your love for us. When we think, sometimes we make decisions which uh, others may look at and question, and and things go on in our life where we may even look at and question and wonder what in the world is going on here. Father, but you, in your grace and love, um, continue to work, and you continue to minister, and you continue to touch us. And for that, we're so very grateful. You don't treat us as our sins deserve, you don't treat us as our foolishness sometimes deserves, but you treat us always with love. Teach us from your word as we look into it now, uh, that what you say will ring true. Uh, I thank you for the the uh, opportunity, the honor really, to, to share a little bit of what you've been showing me in your word, and you may show people other things too as we go through this. So you touch their lives and hearts, all of us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start with the first verse. It's on page 1082 if you're using the Pew Bible. And again, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard. You know, you can pull up on your phone or your tablet or whatever it is, whatever you use, but if you're a little confused, you might want to use the one in the in the uh Pew rack before you're there. It was my plan to cover the whole chapter today. Yeah, that was stupid. Uh, that just isn't that just isn't going to happen you know i'm working on this thing and i'm going through it and thursday night the music team was here and i'm trying to work through this thing a little bit more still and i got to verse 11 and it was pretty obvious i wasn't going to get much further so really that's as far as they're going to get um, on there so uh, beginning with verse one follow along it says finally my brothers rejoice in the lord To write you again about this is no trouble for me, and it's protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh, although I once had confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks that he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more "...circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was to gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord." Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Uh, That's probably as far as we're going to get today. And, uh, you know, once again, Paul directs God's people to rejoice, to be a rejoicing people, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. Remember, again, he is writing from prison. He is writing as a prisoner. And he says to them, he says, you know, rejoice, you know, rejoice. I I hope that what we see here eventually is going to be three qualities or we're only going to uh, cover one today but uh, it was I was looking at this whole chapter you know and uh, you know and seeing what's there there's things that that we should be rejoicing in but also growing in overall I think there's more than just the three that I'm going to pull out of this chapter um, but three that stood out as I studied it only one today and here's the one um, and and that's that we get new values you know we get new values now we may think of rejoicing as the same thing as as joy or happiness in someone or in something. Uh, it's 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 more than that. But here he's directing that that rejoicing. He says, you know, in the Lord. Now, rejoice. It doesn't require that we be happy. Rejoicing doesn't require that we be happy with what's happening. But there does seem to be some sense of relief there. You know, uh, when he's talking about rejoicing in the Lord, there is some relief in in, in the fact that it's the, of that, this relationship we have with Christ. You know, it, it's very easy to let circumstances uh, discourage us. That's why he directs us to rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say take joy in what's going on with you guys. He doesn't say take joy, you know, in the circumstances that are there. It's not joy in the circumstances at all. He is pointing beyond. He is pointing in a total different direction in the circumstances. In fact, he's he's calling their attention off of the circumstances and onto the Lord. And he says they're to rejoice in the Lord. Now, when we get distracted or consumed by our circumstances, we need this reminder. We need to be reminded to rejoice in the Lord. Now. When he says to rejoice in the Lord, he's not saying that you're oblivious to your circumstances. He doesn't say ignore what is there. You know, this isn't what he's saying at all. He's not talking about being oblivious to your circumstances. But what he is also saying is in the midst of those circumstances. And here's where I think, you know, what we need to grab a hold of. In the midst of those circumstances, you rejoice in the Lord. In the midst of those circumstances, don't be oblivious to the Lord. He's not saying ignore your circumstances. What he's saying is don't ignore the Lord. Don't ignore, you know, who he is. Remember his love, his presence. His wisdom. We need to remember His wisdom, particularly we're in those situations where we think it stinks. You know, and we need to we need to look. We need to remember His love, His wisdom, His care, His concern. It's all. It's right there for us. And He's saying, you know, you don't have to remind Him of the circumstances because the problem is we get consumed with those. Now Paul here he's writing this to people who were free and they enjoyed the benefits of Roman citizenship. They were, you know, in Philippi it was a conquered area and as a as a it was a Roman colony that was there. And as a Roman colony, they enjoyed the same benefits, the same rights as if they were in Rome itself. And they had all of those same rights and stuff. I always get a uh, uh, you know a kick out of um, when I when we talk to people. Sometimes um, I have some Hispanic friends came from Puerto Rico, and they always get a kick out of it when you say, "Well, when'd you come to this country?" Puerto Rico is part of this. It's a U.S. Ter- it's a it's a you know, it's it's part of the country, and they have they you know they have those those same rights and freedoms that we have there. Uh, we forget that sometimes. And this is what he's saying to these, these folks in Philippi. You know, he's saying he's, he's talking to those. He's talking to those who have, who have those benefits of Roman citizenship there. Now, he's talking to them while he himself is still in prison. He's talking to these guys who are free and have all of these rights while he himself is still in prison. It seems that it should be the other way around. It seems that what should be happening here is the Philippians, those, re- those living freely, should be encouraging Paul the prisoner. But here Paul the prisoner is encouraging those who are living, who are living in freedom. And, and he's calling them. He learned to rejoice in the Lord regardless of the circumstances he was experiencing. He learned that in the midst of those circumstances that he was not to be oblivious of the Lord still. He was to be looking at, he was to be aware of, and and still in touch with the Lord. Your experiences do not take away from who God is or from your relationship with him. Your your experiences, your circumstances, they do not take away from who God is. Or your relationship with Him. And He says to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstance, independent of circumstances, whether good or less than good. You see, because if what you do is if you rejoice in your circumstances only when they're good, you're going to spend a lot of your time miserable because again let me just remind you of the promise of god nobody wants to claim when jesus said in this world you will have trouble tribulation is the way king james words it tribulation here's a good word for you tribulation he didn't say you might he didn't say you know every once in a while he didn't say well just a few of you what he said was you know in this world you will have you, you he here's a guarantee for you he said In this world, you're going to have trouble. He goes on, he says, but be of good cheer, I overcome the world. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, be of good cheer. Why? He has overcome the world. And that's a relationship, it's that relationship with God, the source of rejoicing is the Lord. He is also the object of rejoicing. He is both the source and the object of our of our rejoicing here. you know now we are affected by our circumstances and situation. We are affected by them he 's not. not saying that we 're not he 's not saying that we shouldn 't be what he 's saying is you what you need to be careful of is that you aren 't ignoring god that you aren't totally distracted from god by the circumstances that you find yourselves in you know we we are we are affected by our circumstances we are affected by our situation but you don't have to be a victim to your circumstances and your situation they affect you but you don't have to be a victim we live in a society that love you know loves to be a victim and. I'm offended by people that are offended because they offend me. And you know, it's I mean we're we're all offended by everything. Let's go on. Um, before I say something else. Um yeah. we don't have to be a victim to our situation. You know, we 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 can go we, we don't have to submit ourselves to the circumstances Because we should be submitting ourselves. To the Lord as His slaves. Remember how this letter started. Paul and Timothy, he says, slaves of Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy, we're writing to you as slaves of Jesus Christ. We're writing to you who, as servants who follow and obey Him. Servants who have chosen to put our, 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 ourselves under Him. Who value our relationship with God. Who are cared for and provided by God. That's what the, that, that whole phrase of, you know, being slaves is. That putting themselves under His care. Being provided for, be, even getting that direction from Him. Submit to God. Don't submit to circumstance. Submit's not a word we like, but it's a great word. You know, it just talks about placing yourself under someone or under some something, you know, that authority. Just like you do with the policeman, if you're wise. When Ginny and I were driving back and forth to, um, well, we ended up meeting in Wanata, is actually where our, our paths Literally crossed. I called Peter and I said, uh, "You know where are you at?" He says, "I'm at the light at Wanata. Where are you? I said, "I'm at the light at Wanata. And we both he turned a corner and I turned right behind him. When we got there. On the way back and forth, we must have seen I don't know close to a dozen different people pulled over by the police. You know, the sheriffs, the state police, you know, and all these people. And they and they were out. And why did they do that? They submitted to the authority. And pulled their car over when these guys pulled up behind them with flashing lights. You see, this is and this when we submit when we submit ourselves to God, what you're doing is, is you're placing yourself under under him as slaves. Good, it's a good picture there. And he says that you know we continue to rejoice because you value God, because you value your relationship with Him. So don't let what's happening distract or divert. Or redirect you away from the sureness of your relationship with God. The sureness of that relationship brings great comfort, great stability. When I was working on this, it just reminded me, you know, the moment I found out that I had, uh, those tumors in my head, uh, Ginny was right there in the room with me. We were sitting with the doctor and, you know, it's one of those things you always remember. You know we're sitting with the doctor, and he comes in, and he you know gets uh, pulls the c t scan up on his thing and uh you know he had he had told us before he said well you know it's it's highly unlikely you're going to have these tumors well, he pulls it up and he says, well um he said uh you know i i and sorry to tell you, he said, but you have these you know you have a tumor there, and um I remember thinking you know I was pretty calm at that moment. The next day wasn't so much fun. But uh, I remember sitting there thinking, hmm, I've never had this before. You know, I wonder what we do now. Uh, and I was just sitting there, and I was quiet, and Ginny looked at me, and she looked at the doctor, and she, rapid-fire machine gun style, shoots off about a dozen questions to this guy, uh, you know, and... and. uh She remained my wife through the whole thing. My biggest earthly encourager, supporter, advocate, and defender. Our relationship was strong going into that. It was strengthened during that. And it's continued to be strengthened since then. When bad news comes... Some people may leave. God does not leave. He stays. He is there. He is still your encourager, your supporter, your advocate, and your defender. He doesn't leave because something else comes. Out. Be rejoice in the Lord. Be sure of your relationship. With God. Hang on to that sureness of that relationship. We rejoice in that relationship with Him. Challenging times are a time to show your strength and to strengthen that relationship with God. You see, value is found in the Lord, not in circumstance. It's found in who He is. We can rejoice even though our circumstances, in our circumstances, we see as less than happy because our rejoicing is beyond those circumstances when it's based on our relationship with Christ Jesus. When it's based on our relationship with him. Verse 2 has a, a rather odd warning. You know, if you look at it, he says watch out for dogs watch out for evil workers watch out for those who mutilate the flesh i was reading that and i thought I, see there's my spiritual gift not uh, 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 uh pointing this out about other people that's my uh, that's one of my spiritual gifts to be able to uh um, and just a little uh, affirmation for me with that um uh, but w- what we, we need to be careful because this is not permission to call people derogatory names as much as we would like to sometimes what you see there dogs that's how the jews described the gentiles who were not part of god's chosen people they talked to them about dogs now we we have domesticated if you will the dogs you know we keep them in the house and uh, you know we feed them and all that stuff they didn't used to do that Back then, the dogs would run wild and they run in packs and you wanted to avoid them and they would, you know, root in garbage and, you know, and things like that, um, you know, but the, um, so when he's calling them dogs here, it's a derogatory term uh, that they were called. What Paul is doing is using a term that the Philippians had probably heard in reference to themselves. They had probably heard themselves called this and he is making a point that the real people without God are the ones calling them dogs. You know, that they're, they're the ones, they're the ones that, that don't have this relationship with God. You know, there will be many who do things and many who say things that have the potential to discourage you. Watch out. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discouragement happen. Realize where they're coming from. Notice he also refers to them, you know, those who mutilate the flesh. Uh, He's referring to what uh, are sometimes referred to as as Judaizers. The Judaizers were those who put more stock in the outward conformity to the law. They wanted to conform to the law, the Jewish law, uh, rather than an actual relationship with God. Those outward things were more important to them. The, the, the Judaizers put stock in the actual physical reality of circumcision uh, as if that alone gave them some sort of standing with God. That that the, these physical things, actually, they felt that the, that actually gave them some standing with God. Now today, you know, we may put stock in other outward signs, uh, such as baptism church membership uh, you know taking communion uh, for some simply wearing a cross you know and they, they, th- these are all important things except maybe wearing the cross um, you know they, they 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 they're meant to show that we already have a relationship with God and that's where the wearing the cross i see people on tv you know and wearing a cross and uh, their conduct tells me they're very far from God um, you know but uh, the whole thing is these other things they don't give us any standing with God in and of themselves baptism does not one of the things we do when we go through baptism class when we go through membership one of the things i try to make clear to you in communion every month when we take communion is doing this doesn't this this doesn't give you any standing with God this does not this does not give you any more grace with God this does not have God look down on you and say what a dude what a guy. Did you see that? He was baptized. That's not it at all. You see, those are just an expression of our relationship with Him. They don't gain us anything. They are, if you will, acted out sermons. You know, that I'm, I'm being baptized and, and I'm visibly showing you I have a commitment. I have a commitment to Christ. This baptism doesn't add anything to me. It expresses what, what relationship I have. Uh, the church membership we just went through doesn't add anything to anything to, it expresses the relationship I have. When we take communion together, it doesn't add anything to us. It expresses the relationship that we have. And this is, you know, it, it's just that, that, that showing what's already, you know, what's already ours, you know, it, it's, These They're important things, but they don't add anything to us. They don't give us any more standing with God. The big deal is not what we've accomplished, but what God has accomplished for us in Christ Jesus and the effect of Christ on, in, and through us. Those are the important things. That's what's important. Our relationship to Christ, what Christ is doing in us, what Christ is doing through us, what that relationship, the effect of that on us and how it directs us. He says in verse 3, you know, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ and serve by the Spirit of God are the ones who are showing they're really ones that are secure in Christ. You know, the ones with something actually to rejoice in. Not like the Judaizers where it was that outward sign. Now if you're, if you're depending on outward things, when do you have enough? If you're depending on church attendance or, you know, or baptism or if you're depending on these things, you know, when, when do you have enough? The answer is never. Never. You don't ever have enough. In Titus, it says he saved us not By works of righteousness that we have done. Not by anything that we have done. But, he says, you know, according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Not by anything we've done, but just as it says here in Philippians in verse 3, you know that we serve by the Spirit of God in that renewal of the Holy Spirit. Works have no merit for salvation. They do not earn us anything for God. We do not add anything to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us. You add nothing to it by the things you do. We are saved not because of those righteous things we have done, but according to his mercy. We are saved because of what he has done. We're saved from our sins strictly because of what Christ did on the cross and God reaching out to us in grace. Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For you are saved by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's what? The gift of God. Not from works. In case you missed it, he repeats it. Not from works so that no one can boast. He goes on, he says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us so that we should walk in him." See, works are the evidence of salvation and the responsibility of everyone who has a relationship with Jesus. They are the evidence and the responsibility for us. They don't gain us anything. That's part of the responsibility we have that, 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 of following Him and those works which He prepared in advance that we should walk in Him. He says, how well are you doing with the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do? How well are you doing with those things? You say, well, I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what they are. Well, no, we do know what they are. We do know what some of them are. You see, we get tripped up on the little things and we miss the big things. God has 99% of the, the will of God for you is found right here in the Bible. And we get hung up and we get messed up by that little small percentage of, of the of the of the other things. You know, well, I don't know what it is that, that he has for me to do. No, we do know what he has for us to do. He's laid it out very clearly. First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. He says, But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. There's a good start for you. Always be ready to give a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Telling others about that hope that is within you is certainly part of the work that He has given you to do. Telling others why it is you do what you do, how it is you, why you live like you do, why, you know, and, and those choices you make, uh, and that certainly is part of the work that He has given us to do. Always be ready to give a defense, He says, to anyone, anyone, anyone who asks you, know, be ready to tell them why, but I don't know enough. No, if, if you, if you know, if you know enough, to, to come into relationship with Christ, you know enough to tell other people about a relationship with Christ. But, you know, you also know enough to say, I live this way because I have a relationship with Christ. Just like some of my behaviors changed after after I married Jenny. You know, some of my behaviors changed, and, and th- they needed to change, you know, because like, because there's a relationship there, and a relationship that I pledged. You know, people kind of laugh at, you know, and, and some people try to make fun of our vice president, you know, because he has some standards that he won't violate, one of which is, you know, won't have, that he won't um, have a meal with another woman one-on-one or even a meeting with a, with a woman other than his wife, um, just one-on-one, and he won't do that. And they laugh and they ridicule him and they, t- they say that he is you know, uh, Tom Plane went, no he isn't. It's got nothing to do with that. What it has something to do with is the fact that, you know, he has a, claims a relationship with Christ and he doesn't want to mess up his relationship with his wife and he wants to protect that. You see, what we need to do is we need to protect our relationship with God. We need to, you know, we need to do that. We need to be able to tell people, I do this because of my relationship with God. You know, and, and this is why I do this. When he's talking about, you know, to, to be always ready to give a defense to anyone. Why? Because Christ makes a difference in my life. Making disciples would certainly be a part of the good works God's prepared for you to do. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, some of you, you have a footnote in your Bible. Uh, the Holman Christian Standard, I believe, has a footnote after disciples. Uh, and it says, it literally, you know, it says, go and disciple all nations. That's what he tells us to do. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to go to Slovakia like Ricky did or anywhere else. What he's talking about, what he's talking about is, you know, wherever it is you're going, you, you disciple these people. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them who He is. Tell them what it means to live for Him. And tell them what, you know, what brings purpose to your life. What can bring purpose to their life. And, and help them to see and to understand who He is. And I, I like the the more literal translation at the end of that too, where He says, I'm with you always, you know. I'm with all the days. All the, there is not a day there is not a day that God is not with you. When you have a relationship with Him, there is—he there, doesn't take a vacation from you. He doesn't take a break. You know, I, I always get a kick out of out of people. You know, and they say, you know, I, you know, I just need a break. You know, God doesn't take a break from us. He doesn't say, you know what, you're you are wearing me out, dude. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. I, I mean, I, sometimes I, I think we push him, uh, you know, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he is with us every day. He, he told us, disciple, you know, wherever you, disciple, share, tell people about who Jesus is, how they can find Jesus, and how they can grow in Him. You know, telling Him, you know, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. It's not, you know, throw a tract at Him and, and run down the street. He's talking about getting involved in touching lives. Now you'll notice in Philippians 3 there in verse 2, when he's, you know, he says about those dogs, those evil workers, you know, those, those evil workers, watch out for the dogs, the evil workers, evil of a bad nature he's talking about. And we become those evil workers when we push for behavior instead of focusing on someone's relationship with God. This is the problem with the with the Judaizers. They were pushing for behavior instead of a relationship with God. And we become those evil workers when we push for... If all you do is change their behavior without changing their heart, if you, all you do is change their behavior without changing their relationship with God, they are still lost and going to hell. What have you accomplished? Nothing. You've accomplished absolutely nothing but confusion and a false sense of security in someone. Nothing of lasting value. All you've done is gotten a situation where you feel better about it, but it's a hollow accomplishment. Instead, help them come to know Jesus. Help them come to know who He is, not to behave in a manner that makes you feel better, that makes you more comfortable. Help them come to know Jesus, because you know what? He does a much better job of changing people than you ever will. He does a much better job of of that than you will ever accomplish with all your finger wagging and shaming of people. I was talking with my sister. This week again, and you know, one of the things that I always remember when I, when I was talking with her, um, you know, is the way that it mattered to her. She said something to me about, um, she thinks sometimes that maybe her uh, zealousness in in telling us about Christ uh, uh, turned her family away, you know, turned our family away from Christ instead of toward Christ. She can be pushy. It sounds odd coming from me, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm sometimes calm. Compared, I, I'm sometimes, you know, very reserved compared to her on occasion. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I did resist that a little bit. But, you know, when the change came? When, when I came into a relationship with Christ... And he began to change me instead of just my sister trying to push us a certain way. And we will run across people where we want to push them. Help them to come to know Christ because he does a better job than we'll ever do. Gee, I'm all the way up to verse 4. Verse um, Four to six, you know, it's a it's a clear example of misplaced trust in the outward behavior, you know, uh, and missing the necessary changes, you know, in value brought about with a relationship with Christ. We touched on some of this a little bit uh, last week in verses, uh, well, even down through uh, verse 8. You know, he says, Everything that was gained to me I consider to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. Because of him I suffered the loss of all things. Consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. We looked at those last week a little bit in communion. If you uh, missed that, uh, you can listen to it online or something. Now, what he, it's not devaluing what we have because what we have has been given to us by a gift of God. You know, so it's not that at all. We're to use all we have to be good managers of all God's entrusted to our care. Uh, you know, and, and we don't devalue what we have because he gave it to us. You know, and, and, but what we do is we need to increase our understanding, our view of the value of Christ Jesus. We need to value the giver more than the gifts. We need to value the one who gave us those things more than what it is we have. And he says, in, in view, you know, in view, I consider them the loss of nothing in, in view of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The value of knowing him as Lord. Lord indicates the, the fact that we're placing ourselves under his leadership and authority. Why he's Lord? You see, if he's Lord, what we're saying is, uh, you are the one. You know, you're the one, and I'm placing myself under you because I'm recognizing you as my Lord, and it's your leadership that I want. It's your authority that I that I that I'm I'm going to bow to. And he says it's a righteousness. You know, the righteousness from God based on faith. Notice there. You know that he it, it. It's based on faith. It comes from a relationship with Jesus, not something we've earned, not something we deserve. It's based on faith. Our society has a messed up view of what we deserve, what we feel our rights are as humans. You know, we we have a right to health care, to be accepted no matter what our lifestyle is, to be applauded for, you know, for what we do, again, regardless of, of those acts and lifestyle to do whatever we please in pursuit of happiness, you see, and these are all, all our rights and all what's ours. The goal, he says, is to know Christ, to know Him. Not to know about Him, but to know Him, to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And that's what that word means biblically, that you have a personal, intimate relationship with him, that you know Christ, that you have this connection that is deeper than a surface connection, that you know him. You know, And here's the goal. You are going to spend the rest of your lifetime growing toward to know him, he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. How well do you know God? What are you doing to know him better? You need to invest time with Him, studying what He said, what He's told us in His Word, to know you more, to know, more you know about God, the more you know about the Bible, the more you're going to know about God. Because in the Bible, His attributes are revealed, His heart is laid bare, His love is exposed, His priorities are discovered, and you see that all as you read His Word, invest time with Him, studying His Word, invest time with Him, praying, which also means listening. It's not just a one-way deal where we lay out the laundry list. It, you know, it's listening because you know what? But as you listen, you have the opportunity to think more in line with God rather than expecting him to fall in line with you. Prayer is not our opportunity to make our argument with God so that he falls in line with our argument. Prayer is that opportunity for us to discuss things with God so that we begin thinking more the thoughts of God. God. And that we are refined more by his power and grace. Not getting him to do what we think needs to happen. Verse 11, he says, Somehow to reach uh, to the resurrection... That's the precursor for our resurrection. The resurrection of Christ, you know, is what goes before. Because He's alive, we know we too will one day be alive. Uh, be, it's worded this way in First Corinthians. He says, "But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits—important word—of all who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man for as an adam all die so in christ all will be made alive each in his own order christ the first fruits afterward at his coming those who belong to christ the first fruits are, are that which it's an example of that which is going to follow when they gave a first fruit offering, it was, you know, they gave of what what was of, of the crops and it was the first fruit of what? More of the same that was going to follow. And this is the picture he has for us here. In First John, he says, dear friends, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see Him as He is. Now this isn't the Mormon thing, you know, that we're gonna be, that we're gonna be God. The thing is that, you know, we are going to be resurrected like Him. Here in Philippians, uh, in two weeks we'll get to this verse. You know, He was transformed, you know, He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. When we come into a relationship, with Jesus spending time with him and him working in our lives we develop new values those new values help us to face what's coming along we are no longer bound to the values of this world but the value, values found in the Lord and in that we can rejoice next week's Easter we're gonna back up into chapter 2 again uh, and look at some of the verses there I skipped over. I told you when we were in that chapter uh, in two weeks we 're going to finish looking at this. Um, but I hope what you do in those two weeks is that you begin to rejoice in those new values, particularly that valuing God as God that when you 're in the circumstances you 're not overwhelmed by the circumstances, but you can rejoice in the Lord that you don 't forget. The Lord. And no matter what you're facing, that relationship with Him, let that take first place. Let's pray.